My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 28 of season two, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. That is the name of this podcast. What is the ASI podcast about? It's about sex. (laughs) It's about desire. It's about motivation. It's about recovery. It's about the direction our lives are going in. It's about defining certain words. It's about a half hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. It's about fighting food. Here's some food fighters. I have spent a lifetime waiting for the chance. Save you my confession. Fighters back way back from 2002. It's hard to believe that was 10 years ago that album came out. Uh, ASI247.org is the website. It is a digital smorgasbord, right? It's like a digital buffet of sexual disaster recovery relief. All right, that's uh, ASI247.org if you want to check that out. Um, my email address, if you'd like to email the host of the show, which is myself, Russ, Russ Shaw is my name, uh, it's Russ at, you guessed it, ASI247.org, all right? It's not .com, it's .org, so. How you doing? This is an episode on kindness. Um, also, I wanted to put a plug in for a kind of video coaching blog series. I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a, a V-book, right? There's like electronic books, and then and then there's, you know, blogs. This is like a, a electronic video blog or something. But it's on the website asi247.org. I've titled it. Um, Killing the Dragons Under Behavior Modification. This is why this is a spiritual problem, more than it's just an intellectual behavior modification type of an issue. I, I really believe that there's deeper, right, there is deeper roots to this thing than, than just the cognitive mind. And yeah, that's a big part of it, but there, there is a spiritual aspect to this. Um, I'm spirit kind of a spiritual type of dude. This is, I've been through this, all right? I know this issue. I know this addiction. It's insidious. It's it's like a a dragon-like creature, all right? So, ASI247.org is the website and uh, killing the dragons of behavior modification. It's like it's like this exterminator friend that I had, you know, I asked him about these little ants. I had these odorous house ants, you know, these little tiny black ants. And he says, the problem with those ants, Russ, is you get multiple queens. I said, multiple queens? And he says, yeah, you, you're killing the ants on the surface, right? You're spraying them, you're setting traps, and that seems to get rid of them for a while. 
And I said, yeah. And he says, you got to kill the queen, dude. He says, you got to get under the floorboards and you got to kill the queen. They, they usually around, you know, like your bathroom. They like moisture in your kitchen. There's a queen in there somewhere. You got to kill it. That is much like this addiction. It's much like a lot of addictions. You know, you can stop the behavior on the surface, but, man, if you don't remove the queen, if you don't kill that dragon under the surface, it's just going to keep giving birth down the road to more, you know, right, addiction. Sexual addiction, um, it's kind of this shadow life, you know. I'm, I was thinking of spy movies. Uh, 007, the 007 movies, you know, James Bond, uh, 50 years old now, from Sean Connery to Daniel Craig as the new 007, the last three movies, or including this one that's about to come out. Um, and I think that Daniel Craig is probably the best actor of all of them. And it's part of our, our culture, too, you know, watching these films and, and over the years and how the story has grown and changed, you know, evolved, if you will, for for culture, in Western culture anyway, you know, you go back to the 60s and even in the sexual part of the story where James Bond is, you know, kind of every man's man's man kind of deal and he sleeps with who he wants and the kind of these shallow relationships, he seems to have things all together, you know, all the way up until the 80s, you know, this this James Bond character. And then something kind of starts to change a little in the 90s. And then the reason I say that Daniel Craig is probably the best actor of all of them is because of the character development of James Bond, right? Like he's almost kind of rogue in the, the last film, The Quantum of Solace, where, where he's, uh, uh, you know, struggling with what is right, what is wrong, who's, whose side am I on kind of thing. Casino Royale, um, I'm really curious to see this next film. Uh, you know, he's struggling with what what the authority above him has has for him right and he's even in relationships he's he's struggling with just the, the you know what used to be kind of cool overt sexual you know adventure you know there's a new bond girl in every film and they're kind of continuing with that but i'm curious to see you know what where his heart is because it's almost like he's he's trying to find solace right you know he's trying to find a, a firm place to plant his his feet and his heart um, just something I've noticed with the the last three films and with Daniel Craig as an actor he just does a great job at you know being this badass dude who struggles emotionally I mean he doesn't have it all together like Sean Connery back in the 60s right Sean Connery just knew he was going to get out of whatever situation you put him in. He's like Superman. And, you know, Daniel Craig, yeah, he's still kind of Superman in that, you know, he knows his stuff as a as a spy, but he struggles emotionally. He, he struggles even, could we say, spiritually with his place in life, with uh, what he does and, and who who he serves, right? Who he serves, the meta narrative of 007, <laughs> shaken, not stirred, right? Um, but that, what does that have to do with kindness, Russ? It has a lot to do with kindness because 
again, sexual addiction is like that double life. Whether you're porn addicted or you're having affairs and you're living this double life, you're married, your spouse doesn't know about you know, your trysts on the side, and you do feel uh, a little empty over that. You're listening because there's something broken maybe inside you, and you realize that, and you, you're identifying with, you know, the James Craig Bond a little bit, maybe, right? You hear people jokingly say, you know, at least here in the States and in my culture, stop thinking with the little head, right? You're thinking with the wrong head. Your your penis is for men anyway, right? And I know it's not just men listening, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? It's this shallow message that the culture has permeated for for a long time that sexuality is a master to be served, right? Your identity is tied up. And this isn't totally shallow, right? It goes a little bit below the surface. We don't talk to everyone about our sexuality. But our sexuality goes a little deeper than under the skin, and it is an identifier, you know? Your sexual identity. And there's a lot of talk and stuff written about that, and especially in, you know, colleges, right? Universities have grappled on to this message that sexuality is your master identifier of your identity. It's not just a do the right thing kind of message that, that's stuffed in from the outside. You know, this is behavior modification. This works for a little while, you know, and then eventually we revert back to where our hearts really are. See, it's, it's changing the heart from the inside and letting that grow on the outside. That doesn't always look pretty. It just doesn't. But it's a way better and long-term, right, deeper, more influential message than stuffing things in from the outside, than therapeutic moralistic deism, you know. That's why the religious Christians, so-called Christians, religious people left the cities, and really, in our culture, in, in the last few decades, the messages of sex and love kind of become intertwined and gargled, right? Kind of like how the old cable analog systems, and here I am dating myself when I say this, but there used to be, you know, you would get this gargled, scrambled image, you know, on some of the uh, pay channels, right? And it seems like that's that's kind of the message with this sexual identity kind of campaign by a lot of universities and, you know, higher learning educators in our culture. And so people get this message scrambled and, and messed up and we're trying to decipher our own identities. And, and that has, I believe, some of the culture in some of the art that we see, you know, we're, we're trying to unscramble this message of what is love, what is sexuality, you know. Um, here's some of the things that love does, and here's some of the things that love does not do, right? Um, and, and some of this goes to identity, you know, and, and that's part of what the culture, you know, a lot of people in this culture are doing is like, who am I, right? What is love? I mean, this this song that hit number one on the charts recently, um, Some Nights by the band Fun. Uh, I love that lyric in that song. I played it a few weeks ago. Um, 
What do I stand for? What do I stand for? Some nights I don't know anymore, right? This is kind of the, the heart cry of, of this culture today, right? Isn't it? What do I stand for? Is that a message of just this generation? I, I don't think so. Going back to the Bible, I, I'm doing this show on kindness because I did one on patience. And Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 is like a kind of a definition of love by the Apostle Paul. Um, he says, he, he points this out by saying, here's what love is and here's what love isn't. And he kicks it off by saying love is patient and kind. And there's something that resonates with our hearts, right? When it comes to the writing of these spy movies or spy novels, you know, the the sexual jacked upness of a person who lives this secret life as a as a spy, with the pressures of life like the bills, you know, the job, a home, keeping our, our lives maintained. There's a lot of pressure, and we want to be more loving and kind to our spouse, our kids, but sometimes we just get, you know, overrun by our ability to, or inability to, to cope. Kind of like this attitude of, I live in the shadows, I have this secret life I can't tell anyone about, um, I get my loving on the run, like Steve Miller would say, right? You know, I get my needs met over here just because I gotta live this kind of life. Is that is that what resonates in, in the heart of some of us sex addicts? You know, it's just kind of a question I'll throw out there. It's like our ability to be kind and patient and loving is eroded by, you know, the anxiety of, of goals that we need to hit, right? Financial goals, just getting the mortgage paid, the electric bill, right? Your phone bill, um, the pressures at work, it, it, the depression of, of not keeping those things maintained or the anxiety that we need to. They, they have us land in a certain place, right? Um, the spy genre in recent decades has become popular with women as well. You know, you got women characters like La Femme Nikita. Um, you know, I'm not going to recommend those films. They're, they're very sexually explicit. J.J. Uh, Abrams, who's a really famous writer now here in the States, uh, a bunch of TV shows he's producing and writing for, uh, the most famous of which was Lost. But before Lost, he did a, a show called Alias. Had about three seasons starring Jennifer Gardner as the, the main character who's a, a spy and a mom. And right, she has this double life. And I think the hearts of women today are resonating with that. As women become more the breadwinner and sexually even, as women become more dominant in, in their female role in culture today, as men become more and more irresponsible, right, and checking out of the family scene, it, it, sadly. There's another show um, with Ashley Judd plays a spy. I, I don't know how well it's doing. My wife and I started it. It was pretty cool. The whole premise of the show is she's a former spy whose son gets abducted, and, and the show is kind of following her, trying to get her son back. Um, you know, like this disciplined, seasoned operative 
just trying to raise a family, you know, pay the bills, put food on the table. It's kind of like trying to save your own little world as this, you know, covert operative in, in getting your needs met as well. It's, I get it, man. Men, that's why my, my challenge, you know, for men listening, it's, it, you know, my wife really helped me realize this and, and see this and crystallize this, that I'm not just doing this for guys who were like me. That's part of it. You know, I didn't have a me as I walked through this life with this, you know, secret covert kind of life I was living. I, I didn't have a me to help guide me through and what, what I needed to do to get over this jacked up, you know, very stubborn addiction. Um, I didn't have a me as part of why I do this. But like my wife said, and my wife helped me realize is there's women on the other side of this too, right? There's, there's wives, there's girlfriends, there's ex-wives, there's ex-girlfriends, there's um, women who are sexually addicted with boyfriends or husbands, you know, not being able to be monogamous for whatever reason and struggling with that. It reminds me of that Britney Spears song that came out a, a while ago, right? That, um, oops, I did it again. I played with your heart, you know, got caught in the game. This, it's not just guys, especially today. There's, in the future, some of you guys actually think, and, you know, and I know that... <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to tell you, getting married is not going to cure this, all right? You think you're going to get married and it's just going to make your sex addiction go away. It won't. It doesn't. And you're going to have to raise a family, love a spouse. And, and what does it all mean, you know? Where are you going? Where am I going? Uh, women have these different roles today as men become more irresponsible women are taking up some of the reins of responsibility as single moms living in in homes with kids without a dad and you know my heart goes out to some of you I know you're listening I know you're out there and and I know that this you know some of the spy genre when you feel like you you know you're, you're in that place you're like 007 you know Another cool spy movie was Safe House. Uh, it came out 2012, actually. Uh, it's out on video now. Uh, seven stars. Uh, Internet movie database says um, Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds. I like this film, too. Um, again, you know, I'm not going to recommend some of the overt sexuality in it. It wasn't that bad compared to some of, uh, you know, even James Bond films. But... Again, I just don't let my eyes drink that stuff in. When, you know, if I feel, if I see it coming where some other woman naked is going to be on the screen who's not my wife, I just don't watch that part, right? I look at my wife. I, I, I turn my eyes. That's, that's just a discipline that I've learned to do. Um, you know, I had a, like a, a kind of religious cat was like, well, why don't you just not watch movies like that? It's like, dude... I don't watch the Victoria's Secret ads that come on during the NFL game, all right? There's commercials that come on the NFL game that I don't I don't let my eyes feast on. I just don't I just don't do it. So, whether it's the, a film like this or again, you know, I don't know, a soccer match, 
football, I don't know what you guys call it in your country. Um, here in the States, we call it soccer, right? Football is it's something else, the NFL. Um, I just don't soak in those kind of images. Uh, going back to, anyway, Safe House, the, the lead character in this film is kind of this young CIA guy. He's trying to, you know, advance in his career, and he's he has to take care of, watch this really... Um, famously uh, rogue agent who turns himself in pretty much uh, and through the course of the film the the agent has to decide the young agent has to decide what side he's on and you know uh, revelations come and evidences are brought to light that you know maybe he's on the wrong side right so but again it's kind of a cool film it's a it's a brain twister you know, I like these kind of movies. I, I like spy movies. I, I just do. For the female sex addict, it's trying to find identity in a man or in men or in what you're good at, right? There's In all of these stories where the spy is a woman, sex is part of it, right? Because sex provides a certain economy. Um, there's power in, in sexuality. There's and for some women, it's, you know, well, this is something I'm good at. Or I look this certain way that gives me power over the situations in my life that include men. Right? Evelyn Salt. I love that movie, Salt. I thought it was a great movie. It got some mixed reviews. But I really liked it. Because you don't know till the end of the story what side she's on. And that's part of the dissonance of the film. It's kind of like react or respond in that film, you know? Um, is she reacting to this situation with losing her husband, or is she responding to being called out as this um, operative uh, that she's grown up into, was groomed into this life of, of being this spy person, and her whole identity comes into question. And, I, I, you know, I love the film because as the, as the audience, the way the storyteller tells the story is, you know, halfway through the film, you're not sure which side she's on, right? Until the, the end of the film, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, it kind of reminds me of this story of of Jesus with the woman. Uh, Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house for dinner, right? And there's this woman there, and she meets Jesus, and she's weeping and, and washing his feet with her hair and her tears. You know, and the Pharisee and Jesus picks up on this guy's thoughts, right? Because the Pharisee is like, man, if Jesus knew what kind of woman she is, and the reason this woman's there is because she hears that Jesus is there, right? And she wants to go, even though this religious guy's there, and she's probably not going to be welcome, right? Be like a, a porn star meeting with the Pope at the Vatican, you know, just <laughs> not going to go over so well. But she hears Jesus is there, so she goes there, right? She's motivated to meet with Jesus, and when she meets with Jesus, she, she, you know, she's crying, she's wiping his his feet with her hair, washing his feet with her hair, and and this very expensive oil, right? This, uh, the Bible says alabaster oil. Um, she was probably like a prostitute. The Bible doesn't say, it just says she was a, a sinful woman caught up in a, a sinful lifestyle. I believe the actual text is the, the Pharisee is thinking to himself, 
um, if Jesus was really a prophet, right, if Jesus was really who he says he is, he would know what kind of a slutty whore this woman is, and, and he would want nothing to do with her. And the funny thing is that Jesus picks up on his thoughts and knows what he's thinking, you know? That's why I'm so glad that the book of uh, Hosea is in the Bible, you know? It just goes to show that we're all kind of whores. We really are. Compared to a uh, pure, beautiful, good, all of the time, God of love, all the unloveliness in us, um, you know, we, we don't get to play I'm better than you game, right? Religious people don't seem to see that, and Jesus is constantly calling that out, you know? He's, he's constantly trying to get them to see that, that they're sinners too and that they need a Savior and that they're looking for a Savior. And he is that Savior. The whole Bible is about Jesus. The Old Testament, the New Testament, everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward to Jesus. Everything in the, uh, the New Testament is about Jesus and pointing back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Luke 7, um, going back to the story where the sinful woman crashes the party at the Pharisee's house while Jesus is there having dinner, right? Bunch of Pharisees are there. This woman crashes the party. She's crying. She's a sinful woman, right? And the Pharisee's thinking that, right? He's like thinking, oh, this dirty girl is, is here doing this. If Jesus was really a prophet, he would know, right? It's recorded somewhere around Luke 48, 47, 48. And Jesus reading this cat's thoughts is like, I got, a, I got a story for you. And he says, there's two debtors, Simon. One of them has, uh, he owes 500 denarii and the other owns, owes 50 denarii. And when their, their debt, you know, the, the debtor comes to collect, neither one of these guys have the ability to pay. So, the creditor, he, he decides he's just going to cancel the debt. He's going to forgive the debt of both. And then he asks Simon the Pharisee, he says, um, which one will love him more? And Simon says, well, I suppose the one with the most debt that was canceled. And Jesus says, yeah. He says, that's right. And do you understand the amount of debt, right? It's like, since I got here, this woman has been wiping my feet with her hair. She's been crying. She's anointed my feet with oil. You know, you didn't even, I mean, their attitude towards Jesus is kind of this underling, you know? He's this guy from Nazareth. They don't know who he is. That's his point. And this was really part of my story. I was like that Pharisee because my, you know, I didn't have a root kind of identity place to plant myself, right? As a worshiper of Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus gives us a, a different identity. And that's part of it is realizing we're forgiven. My identity was tied to, you know, I think I'm a pretty good person or I, I do good things or whatever. You know, I, I had this business person. I'm a father. Uh, I, I got friends, right? But down in my heart, my attitudes of the heart were I, I judged people. I judged my neighbors. I judged I looked at other women in this, this thing in me had, had me looking at them as a piece of meat, not a person with a story and feelings, right? Just a, an object. 
possibly I could have looked at the, the woman, right? The, the sinful woman. I mean, that's, she was probably a prostitute. Um, I had this sinful attitude, just, just cold attitude towards people. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like I had this, my passive attitude towards my own sin, my own judgmental, self-righteous thought life. Even in objectifying women, I, I would, you know, well, she shouldn't dress that way. There's religious people that are just as big of transgressors as the sexually jacked up. Just random acts of kindness. It's like it comes out of the heart of people who are kind of filled with pride and they seem to think that there's good people and bad people, right? The bad people are those people that are not like us and we're the good people. No, there's bad people and there's Jesus, all right? We are continually trying to receive transmissions from Jesus that we're not transgressing against him. That's just, I just had to get that out, all right? This is not moralism. And that's another way a sex addict's like a spy. Um, somewhere in our journey, somewhere in the process of, of that life, we have to realize and see when we're working for the wrong side and we have to do the very scary, sometimes time-consuming um, work to defect to the other side, right? You realize you're, you're on the team of the unloving, jacked up, you know, making what's cold, dark, and, and painful in this world realize when we're on that team it's it's reaching to get on the other side that's what sexual addiction recovery is it's defecting to the other side and no it ain't gonna happen overnight and yeah it's gonna be uncomfortable and it's gonna be scary at times you have to set a bomb off probably more than one right Check this out. This is uh, Psalm 37. I love this part of the Bible written by David, right? Same guy that said, search my heart, O Lord. You know, get rid of what's inconsistent in me. What's the adventure of walking out of the world of shadows and secrets and walking into the light. Check this out. This is from uh, this is from Psalm 36. is a Psalm of David. Transgression speaks to the wicked. Deep in his heart, there is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes, that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself up in a way that is no good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. 
They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. And I love verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. I love that. That's uh, Psalm 36. You can see the two sides, right? Laying in bed and plotting deceit. You know, you know your heart's got cold when it's almost like when things are quiet, when things are silent. That's when, you know, our thoughts go to where we're at spiritually. I think a lot of sleep problems are just not syncing up with God well. Um, constantly thinking about where we're at spiritually being kind is not going to get you points in this world being kind if you're a man and you're kind you may be seen as weak by some people you may be seen as a softy you're willing to take that risk right kindness Having an antenna up for doing good to your neighbor. I'm not just talking about doing good so that people can pat you on the back. I'm talking about doing good to your undeserving children. Realizing an attitude of seeing your spouse as the enemy. Thinking they're against you. Thinking the whole world's against you, possibly. Where does those attitudes come from? When what it means to be kind flows out of a heart that, that wants to be kind. Even when we don't want to be kind, even when we don't feel like being kind and we push back our own feelings, our own selfishness, our own comfort addictions, right? And we're kind to our spouse, kids, neighbors, co-workers, uh, all right? The roots of real long-term kindness is realizing forgiveness. It's realizing that we've been forgiven and some of us, including myself, need to repent of this attitude of self-righteous religion when God has, has forgiven me of such a massive debt that I would hold any debt against others, that I would strive for reconciliation. It takes one person to forgive, it takes two to reconcile. And being honest about the fact that I don't want to reconcile sometimes is something that, again, is, is good to be brought out in community. And it's good to be repenting of that because it, it just gets bitterness in the heart like a splinter in the heart is is unforgiveness. It, it leads to, you know, the, this root of bitterness leads to unkindness, leads to meanness. And some of you listening uh, um, are the aggressors, right? You're the transgressors. And some of you listening have been sinned against by a spouse and maybe they gave this podcast to you to listen to 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 maybe help 
help heal some of those wounds, right? And maybe you can't forgive right now and you feel like, man, you've tried to forgive and it keeps coming back. And I'm telling you that worshiping Jesus, worshiping God is submitting our hearts to the fact that we've been forgiven. And it's also for the guy that sinned against you or the girl that sinned against you. It's reconciling with them as they enter into recovery, as they get serious about taking this thing on. If they're sex addicts, if they're porn addicts, right? This is true. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. It's going to take counseling. It's going to take group. It's going to take talking to people. It's going to take being serious. But it'll change your future. It'll change the ripple effect that your life will leave on this world. It'll change how you define love. It will expose you as a double agent. It's forgiveness. You've been forgiven. And you can forgive by the power of the Holy Spirit working God working his way out of your heart from the inside will give you the power to do it because it is tremendously difficult love you guys man I mean that for reals alright I'm going to leave you with a song by Matthew West um, my email address is russ at asi247.org the website is asi247.org again thanks for listening this is Matthew West. You can go to the website, asi247.org. Click on the music tab if you want to download any of the songs that you hear on the show. You can do that from there. Uh, keep me in your prayers, man. I'm praying for you guys every single day. I, I love you. I mean that for real. I mean that sincerely. I hurt for those of you who are hurt, right? I've been through this. I know some of what you're going through. Until next time, bye. It's the hardest thing to give away, and the last thing on your mind today. It always goes to those who don't deserve. It's the opposite of how you feel when the pain they cause is just too real. Takes everything you have to say the word forgiveness. It flies in the face of all your pride Moves away the mad inside It's always anger's own worst enemy Even when the jury and the judge Say you got a right to hold a grudge It's the whisper in your ear Saying set it free Forgiveness Boy!
can even set a prisoner free. There is no end to what its power can do. So let it go and be amazed by what you see through eyes of grace. The prisoner that it really freezes you. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. 